How do multifamily owners retain renters and increase net operating income? Well, we're on the journey to find out. You're listening to Amenitize or Die, tactics and strategies from the front lines of multifamily. I'm your host, Scott Patterson, Marine Corps veteran and founder of Tumble Smart Laundry, where we're on the mission to increase your NOI through your shared laundry experience. Today, we have Brooks Baskin, CEO of 2B Living. Welcome to the pod, Brooks. Hey, Scott, how you doing today? Good, good. So uh, 2B, we had Rishi on, we talked a little bit about it, but you know, you are you are the found, part of the founding story. You are the founding story, really. So let's just talk about 2B for just just from the beginning. Why, why would you ever start doing this? The question of why would someone charge into property management thinking we can actually make the tenant experience better? <laughs> Uh, that is definitely one that uh, that keeps me up at night, but we're super passionate about it and love what we're doing. Um, so yeah, I can give you a quick once over. So founder CEO of To Be Living, we're a third party property management company here in the Bay Area. Um, started the company in 2011, uh, just managing one single family home in Millbrae to start and uh, grown the company organically since then. And we're just about to cross 3000 units under management. Uh, nearly a hundred employees on the team. Uh, so growing and, and love what we're doing. Yeah. So was that first house, was that your house? Whose house was that? Who was like, we need you to manage this. I mean, it was not my house, but it was a great story. Uh, it was someone who was self-managing their home and thought they had an amazing tenant who they never heard from in two <laughs> years, made rent payments like clockwork right up until those payments stopped. Um, and two months later found out they were actually running a grow house, uh, thus, uh, able to be a really good quiet tenant, uh, right up until, uh, the police broke down their doors and broke up the grow house. And that was the point at which that's uh, when you that knew, that's when you knew that I wanted to do this. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's when she said, I don't think I should be in the property management business anymore. And that's when I said, this seems like a great first engagement to take on. <laughs> awesome. So uh, mostly started in the single family rentals. Uh, what was the first multifamily like that you jumped into? So yeah, started single family and then first uh, multifamily we got into was uh, in Palo Alto. So great city to, to manage apartments um, and small buildings, uh, six units, eight units and 12 units uh, respectively. Uh, and so it was kind of a nice transition of uh, sort of understanding the small multifamily space, which is super interesting part of the market, very fragmented. Um, well, hugely fragmented. On, yeah, yeah, both on the ownership and the management side, uh, but also it makes up a, a, a very large part of the rental market in the United States is just small rental buildings owned right. by, you know, kind of mom and pop landlords. Well, that and the... Uh, the way you manage those smaller sort of multifamily properties is pretty much the same as those single family rentals. Like you're really running in the same circles. You don't have on-site management. You don't, you're not having a bunch of amenities. You're not, you know, I don't know. You're, you, it's, it's much more like having a group of a bunch of single family rentals in one spot um, yep. than it is like having a, you know, hundred unit property or something like that. Exactly right. And it's got, yeah, so you have all the challenges of not being centralized and not having everything on site hard from a staffing perspective as well. So very similar dynamics 
as single family. But I think one thing that's interesting as it relates to this discussion is that it's like as landlords are looking for more ways to amenitize their buildings, I think our roots as a small and medium sized operator as we're moving into the bigger space has really informed a lot of how we view it's sort of what tenants care about when you don't have the easy ability to say, I've got a gym on site, I've got a pool on site. It's like you have to be more creative about how you're adding services to property. So I think that's part of how we've been successful is that we sort of have those roots and understanding of small building management and trying to apply some of those principles um, to bigger communities as we grow. Yeah. And what are some of those things that, that, that center around like maintenance and responsiveness or? I think it's that, that, you know, historically, I, you know, you, if you ask a hundred renters in that who, who live in a fourplex or a 10 unit building, usually they're not going to say we have a great experience having our maintenance requests handled. And we have really intelligent, smart property managers who we like to deal with, right? It's usually you know, 180 degrees from that. So I think there's part of the service side, but I think the the other part of it that's really important is how can you how can you offer amenities and services to tenants at those buildings? A little bit of your competing against um, you know other rentals that have those things inbuilt. So I think that's a lot of what you know led to obviously our discussions with with Tumble on the laundry side and other companies is. Hey, is there not a really interesting opportunity here to almost bring some of the conveniences of big community management to this smaller space and kind of give tenants a win-win, right? They like living at smaller communities because it, you know, feels more homely, like they're not just a, you know, a name on a roster, um, but that can you bring some of those conveniences to them? Yeah, I mean, and like one of the interesting sort of pieces to to double tap into there is around sort of if, if you think about all of the single family rentals plus these smaller rentals as one sort of gigantic account or property, you know, you actually can get some, some benefits of scale, I guess, um, on some of these other sort of management platforms or, um, resident rewards type things. You know, you're, you're able to go to a, a manager and be like, look, like, I'm sure you've enjoyed managing your 12 units here let us do it. And this is all of the stuff that we can offer for your, you know, whatever your management fee is. Yeah, exactly. No, that's a really good point. Is that exactly like the, especially as I think the industry is moving towards rental housing being harder for people to do by themselves. It's just becoming a more regulated industry. It's more complex. Tenants are a lot more demanding than they used to be. They want and need technology, (laughs) things that the mom and pop landlord used to be able to handle that's harder for them to do. So I think that's kind of the, you know, the direction the industry is, um, uh, is heading in anyway. What are some of the, what are some of the things that you're looking at as ways to optimize your, your side or, or sort of your growth, I guess, in this space, since it is so fragmented and hard to reach a lot of these properties. I mean, the the biggest challenge right now, which is what a lot of companies are are facing, is that the it's it's really hard to find good talent in property management. And there's a lot of really good things happening, which is that, you know, salaries are going up. It's a higher demand function. It's sort of transitioned from almost like a blue collar industry to a white collar industry. These are all, I think, really good things for our 
our business and our and, and the world that we operate in, but you know, it all creates challenges for a property management company. And then that kind of trickles up, if you will, to the to the ownership and the PL of that property. And so for us, what we're looking for is ways that we can more efficiently manage these buildings, especially that are spread out and not just have to throw unlimited amounts of headcount resources at it. And so, I mean, laundry is actually a really good example of this where it sort of used to be expected that you'd have machines at a property and the property manager goes and collects the coins and then drops them off at their office and then goes to the bank. And like, those are things that even if that was sanitary, even if that was desired by tenant, it's, it's actually totally uneconomical and impossible for a property management company to do. It just turns up a lot of time and, and energy. And so for a lot of what our focus is on is we have to find ways to, to streamline the operational side of running these properties, even if you set aside sort of the benefits to tenants. Um, it's almost out of necessity that the almost like the staffing model and the cost model uh, is sort of, sort of been turned on its head. Yeah, I mean, I mean, super relatable for us, right? Like we, the where we would run into a big problem is if we didn't know what was happening in the machines all the time, right? So yeah. one of the ways that we gain efficiency is by being able to handle ninety five percent of the problems without being hands on, and especially you know, single family, like multifamily, right? You could have like an on-site maintenance person that just like does things all the time and just walks up and down the building. But when you got one unit in Oakland and another unit in San Jose having a problem, well, that's, you know, that's half the day right there, just going from one unit to another. So, yeah. uh, yeah, it's, it's, how do you, so I guess, are you, you guys have like a central leasing office type thing, right? Like you do central leasing, we do central leasing. Um, I'd say we kind of have a hybrid approach. We we have a central leasing team, what we call, uh, you know, one of the services uh, that we offer with a, a person who runs that team. But then we have dedicated leasing managers um, who actually rent the units. Um, so again, I think we've we've embraced parts of the so-called remote leasing, remote touring, but we we do still believe that you know, there is value in, in someone being able to talk about the unit, show someone an apartment if they want the experience of being with someone. Um, but there's also just more tenants that are comfortable, you know, either seeing the apartments themselves or even renting things sight unseen. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and, and just reducing sort of in-person in general, right? Like, uh, move ins, move outs, um, certain maintenance type things like, any, any way that you can distribute or schedule in a way that you can sort of hit multiple things in one area all at once, like that becomes hugely, hugely valuable for these operational efficiencies. And it goes yeah. back to people being expensive, right? And and like, otherwise, you know, that management fee is just going to keep going up because it's like, well, overhead, it's getting up here and then someone's going to figure it out. Right, right. Yeah. Yeah. So... On, on, on your smaller multifamily, I mean, what you have a very large multifamily property, I think that you, you all have now too, right? Correct. Yeah. And, and multifamily is really the, you know, it's, it's sort of the focus of our growth. Um, you know, our plan is to, is to take from 3000 units now up to, to somewhere, somewhere in the, the 10,000 unit range in the Bay area. And we think there's a lot of opportunity to do that. So the biggest building we manage is 200 units. Uh, but all the way down to, you know, duplex, triplex, 10 units, 12 units. So it's kind of an interesting portfolio, a lot of challenges managing the different types. 
but again, I think it's a very interesting viewpoint uh, to be able to see kind of both sides of that market and, and what tenants are really wanting. So what, I mean, what are tenants really wanting uh, this day, this day and age when we're coming out of a COVID pandemic and, you know, offices are opening back up, people are being brought back to the office or continuing to be remote and uh, technology. I mean, the rise of prop tech is pretty much undeniable at this point. So what are you yeah. saying? Yeah. And it's, yeah, I mean, it's really interesting. I mean, the, the idea of the kind of the changing tenant and what they want and need from, from what, uh, and again, we're sort of painting it with a broad stroke, right? Because we have lots of different kinds of tenants um, in different income ranges and ages and all that. So it's, again, interesting viewpoint. But in general, I'd say the renter, they want to be able to do things efficiently and utilize uh, technology and different apps to do that. So that's definitely there. Um, we've got a very large percentage of our portfolio um, that not only pays rent online, but submits their maintenance requests online. Um, and so that's definitely there. And I, I think more than anything, is it's really like a they want high quality customer service. So I would say the the needs on that front are much higher in it, but it doesn't necessarily have to be done, you know, just with someone on a phone. It's just like when problem comes up, they want to have, you know, fast response and problems solved. Um, and so I think that's, um, that's part of it. And then it's, I'd say the last piece is just sort of like ease of, of living experience. It's like, we're renting an apartment, uh, you know, we're, either we're doing that because financially that's the position we're in, or we just prefer to rent and don't want to own. And they just want to, to not have to deal with all of the stuff that comes along with home ownership. Um, and so that, you know, it's just, it, all of those things are nice, but they're all operational challenges. And to me, that's also why the opportunity in, you know, prop tech or multifamily is so large. Right. Yeah. I mean, and if you, I mean, real estate to me was so attractive because it's just like, well, one, it's how we live. Like that's, there's, there's everyone is living in some sort of a shelter somewhere that is paid for somehow. Right. Yeah. Um, so it's, it's, it's one of those things that touches everyone. And the other thing is like, to me, it felt static for a very long time, right? Like nothing really changed. Like fixtures got a little bit nicer, you know, paint colors changed. You know, um, maybe I got some stainless steel in a kitchen, you know, or, or quartz countertops, but like those sort of things sort of have changed over time, but how you live, I don't think has really changed, uh, much until recently with the, sort of the, the, the integration of technology into everything that we do. And, um, to me, it's, it's really, it's super interesting because there's so many inefficiencies in just sort of normal everyday life that that can be managed and and, and yeah and brought together yeah i mean it's it's so it's so interesting literally in the last three days i had a conversation with a really cool company that's kind of trying to streamline maintenance operations in more of a um you know sort of like a almost like a chat feature really helping you troubleshoot with some diy stuff really try to streamline maintenance operations fascinating concept that they're working on a payments company that's focused 
exclusively on the just the the reality of what a rent payment is for somebody, which is the largest expense in their life, likely that happens on the first of the month when they get paid, you know, two weeks and 30 days after that. Um, and so it was, it was just kind of eye-opening for me of almost like we're we're all reevaluating this sort of stodgy industry that used to just kind of operate a certain way and not really innovate or change much. And it's really getting turned on its head, which is to me, it's really exciting and cool uh, to be on, on the front lines of that. And I think a lot of it just comes down to like, let's have a different view of what it means to rent an apartment, a different view of what a rent payment is, um, you know, a different view of how uh, a tenant might get access to services locally or at their building. It just, it, to me, it's like a really cool, exciting time to be working in this space. Yeah, absolutely. I, I'm, and I'm, you know, obviously I live in the city, so I'm, I'm super big on, uh, on, on what I, what I like to call neighborhood amenities, right? Like, yeah, I'm not a, I'm not a big apartment type of person, right? Like I kind of have as much space as I need and then, I like to be outside doing things. Yeah. Um, but you know, there's, there's other people that, you know, they want their, their big couch and their big TV so that they can, you know, Netflix and chill. Right. So, um, yeah. it's all, it all, it's all, uh, relative, but, um, I, I do think what's, what's one, one of the things that's been interesting to me in sort of the spaces, um, not, not so much microcosms, but like just how, different by region things are. Um, and so how do you manage that at two B where like, you know, I live in the city and I, you know, I, I have kind of what I want here. Uh, I know I could get more space on the peninsula or in the East Bay. Um, and it's sort of like managing sort of expectations, I guess, but how, how do you market to those folks and make sure that you're getting the right, right people in the right places? It's a really good question. Um, I mean, yeah, it's like, even if you just say, you know, just say the Bay Area, right, there's a, there's very different dynamics between someone who's living in San Francisco and Oakland, you know, versus whatever the peninsula or the, right, like uh, that, the suburbs. That so I think house that's right next to Stanford, which was probably students, you know, like, uh, exactly. Yeah. Um, I just think it's more on this theme of, of like local really matters from both what you're working on and how you staff is like, you, you need to have good centralized systems in your operations, but you also need to have people that really understand local markets. Um, and to me, that's where, you know, we, I think we've been able to differentiate ourselves a little bit of being a very strong local operator that has a lot of benefits compared to like, you know, a large national property management company. Um, and, you know, to me, it's like, the, if you talk to tenants, every tenant you talk to loves, you know, local neighborhood things, right? You know, but a lot of times it's just like a buzzword sounds good. But it's like, there's a really big difference. You have a leasing agent or a property manager who actually lives in that city, you know, knows a little bit about the area. Yeah, what are the spots? Like, you know, what what, the spot? of course, the, and it's like, the it's one of those things like, you know, when you talk about what's an effective leasing strategy, like there's all these gimmicks. The truth is like actually authentic interaction with, you know, your peers that live near you is, I could argue, the best leasing strategy out there. That's, that's, I don't think there's any, you know, special sauce for it. It's just real and you got to have those people working for you. Yeah. 
deliberate developments, right? Like deliberately understanding what you're doing in a neighborhood. Um, I, th- I mean, I, I don't understand, like there's so much like regulation around what you can and can't build. None of it feels like it's aimed at that. Right. Like, which is like, yeah. I would like to have restaurants nearby. Like I would like to have a park maybe, you know, like it's more like, no, you can't build a building over nine stories because it might cast a shadow right. on the street. <laughs> right. Exactly. And yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's a really interesting concept in itself of almost like you, you view your, you know, your tenant base as this very captive audience of customers that needs and wants a lot of things, you know, where they live, you, you know, you know, a lot of, if you, if you turn on like your marketing advertising hat, it's like, you know, a lot of information about them, their feedback is super valuable. Right. And it'd be kind of amazing if you could have more, you know, city planning being led by, you know, what a thousand tenants in the neighborhood have to say, as opposed to, you know, city planners and politicians who are, you know, saying, this is what I think zoning should be. Yes. Hmm. Today, I feel like we should build insert something right, right. like no. uh wait could you wait. imagine a a uh, you know community led with the feedback of your constituents and doing things that they actually want and care about it's a, a wild concept yeah it certainly doesn't happen here in san francisco i'll tell you that much um so <laughs> no comment on that we love we love our local jurisdictions <laughs> moving moving on moving on from yeah there. Um, but yeah, so as, as these amenity strategies happen, so I think one of the interesting parts about TV is that you have that sort of, and we talked a little bit about it is this range from very small properties to very large properties, even at the larger properties, do you take advantage of the space that you have to provide sort of extra amenities or are you managing and and looking, you know, like as you go down sort of the portfolio and size and space available now that you know, kind of what people actually care about how are you utilizing the spaces yeah it's a really good question like as you you know take it from the theoretical to the practical so i mean at the end of the day rental property needs to to generate positive you know operating margins and so that is getting squeezed right now and harder to do and so we still believe that amenity space is important, meaning it's, you know, if you have space and you can, you know, create outdoor space, do a, a dog run, maybe a gym, it's not that those things don't matter. I think more of the challenge is can you provide additional services in a less expensive way? So instead of having to spend, you know, a couple hundred thousand bucks on this amenity space, can you provide that through a service layer um, or through different technology products, which to me is more of the direction that we recommend instead of, you know, spending a ton of money on, you know, these large, you're sort of speculating that people will want to use them and, and it's sort of a fixed cost. Because um, at the end of the day, like there ha- the cost model of multifamily real estate is changing. A lot of it is being driven by headcount expenses, but not just that. And so, you know, developers, they have to start making intentional decisions to, you know, to, to spend less money on things that tenants don't care as much about. Right. Um, and so, like, and there's a lot of interesting parts of that. Like, one of the things that we're, you know, believers in here is there's sort of a narrative, like, no one drives anymore and parking doesn't matter. Right. Like, for we don't now. believe that. Like, yeah. For yeah, now. Like, yeah. For now. Exactly. Like, people actually highly value parking and and obviously people are still driving cars. So 
you know, that's one of those things that we, you know, we try to solve for the pain point of parking and not just pretend that, you know, parking doesn't matter. Yeah. Um, you know, so that's one of the called amenities that, 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 um, that we, uh, that we believe pretty strongly. in. but I'd say even more than that, it's also just, a it's a really important marketing message to tenants. It's almost like you have to be more intentional about describing what a community is and what it offers. If you don't say anything, it's just like, okay, we've got a, you know, apartments without any amenities. It's more that, Hey, you know, we think the neighborhood and these cool services that you have access to are the amenity. And, you know, we're able to offer less expensive housing because we didn't have to spend all of this money on a pool or other things that, you know, one out of 30 tenants is going to value. Right. Right. So, you know, and that's, that's the story of the gym, right? Where it's like, uh, you know, 20% of tenants will use the gym, but 95% think they will or something. Right. Like that, right? right. Yeah. Um, and, and, and so it's, it does, does become interesting. I think one of, one of my favorite amenities has been, uh, bicycle rentals. So like, yeah. I, uh, like we have bike rentals. They're just part of, they're free, right? Like we, it's complimentary. You walk down and say, Hey, can I get a bike? And they give you a bike, you know, which is great because we have an on-site person, right? But as you start to move towards these, I don't know, headless communities, let's call it, where there's no on-site staffing, how do we, how do we still capture some of those cool things? Those that activate neighborhoods. Like that's, that's what I think of when I have a bike rental. Like that's allowing me to go out into my neighborhood and explore. Like, how do we do more of these things of activating neighborhoods? Yeah. To me, the answer is just, it's like more of a partnership mindset that, that real estate needs to become. Like, I feel like kind of the, the traditional approach is like, let's, you know, if you're, if you're a developer, let's build something, let's create as many amenities as we can. And that's kind of the product that we're offering. I think now it's more like there's so many innovative companies doing things in the, you know, kind of sharing economy space. And it's just, it's not expensive to partner with these companies. It's good for their business, good for ours. And then to me, it's more of just the messaging to the tenants of like, th these are the things that are available to you. And it's not being done because there's a person at the desk. These are just, you know, these are interesting companies doing cool things with, you know, scooters, bikes, whatever those things are. Um, and so to me, that's almost the, the way operators should view is like, we're almost like an ecosystem. You know, we, we have a very interesting platform because we are engaging with tenants, but it's almost like we should be view ourselves as like a conduit um, to, to a lot of other really interesting, cool companies that we should be working with, but we don't have to spend all the money and the energy to build all these things out. All right. I think I like that a lot. And I actually, I actually, I think that is the future of, of real estate right there. I think you just pretty much hit it nail on the head. And it's uh, a lot of what we're doing at Tumble, to be totally honest, um, sort of the next generation is looking at how do we sort of use these platforms and these, these rooms and our connection with the, the residents to one, get rid of their most hated chore because everyone hates laundry. Let's be real. Um, and that's why we're, we're very focused on, you know, making that experience better. So, and one of the yeah. ways that I think is by activating communities, right? So what a lot of people don't know out there is that ad spend, um, or, well, I guess the effectiveness of ad spend dropped hugely, hugely online ad spend. So, uh, Facebook, you know, Instagram, um, Google ads, all those things, the effectiveness of those ads dropped and they got more expensive 
on the, in the in the same side, right? So your ROI on this on these ad spend just like diminished greatly. And so now you have a bunch of small businesses that used to just be able to activate their local communities through these platforms kind of looking for for new routes and I think multifamily and real estate is that route. Like I really think that that is um where this is going to go. Um and why not? You know, like 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 look like you got a sushi place down the street. Well, hey, you know, if you go spend $10 at that sushi place, we'll give you $5 of laundry credit, right? Like things like that I think are going to get really really interesting and that's why we're we're definitely uh, looking to partner at those with those like uh, built rewards and other, yeah, um, ten, you know, resident reward systems. Yeah, no, I mean it's it's so it's so fascinating. If you if you really think it's like where you live, your rent payment, what what you do with things in and around your apartment, the chores associated with it, it actually makes up a tremendous amount of your spend and time not at work. Right. That I just feel like has been not viewed correctly for a very long time that's starting to happen, but it's, it's still in, in the, you know, in the early phases. Um, and I'm with you on that of like the, almost like the channel marketing. Um, and I think correct. You know, part of why prop tech is, is a hot industry right now is I just think it's now sort of gaining momentum of what, uh, it means to engage with the tenant and how important that interaction is. Right. And now you have a conduit to most of them, like 80, I think, uh, I think smartphone ownership at this point is in nine in the 90%. So like yeah. we've moved straight through 70 and 80 and now we're in the like 90%. So, I mean, that, that right there is nuts, right? Like yeah. that's, that's a connection with like 90% of people. Right. So yeah. it's just a matter of like, how do we do it effectively? How do we not ruin it? Right. Like, don't don't be a clubhouse and you know bomb me with notifications every five seconds, right? Like, Exa yep. Um, yep. But you know, like, how do we how do we do this right? How do we make these communities what they should be and what they can be? And yeah. man, I mean, we all know this, like the whole location, location, location thing. But the reason that that is true is because those locations are communities, and those locations yeah. have cool stuff going on, and people want to be there. Right. So let's, yeah. Why can't we replicate that everywhere? Yeah. I love it. Scott, just like we, we say it to be living, we're, we're putting the sexy back in property management. <laughs> and just like you guys are putting the sexy back in laundry. Yeah. Well, we're just trying to get rid of it. Like, let's be, let's be totally real. I don't know if you'll ever get, I don't know if you ever put the sexy back in laundry. We're just going to get rid of it. So Brooks, thank you so much for hopping on. Um, love what you're doing at, at Tubi Living. Thank you so much for being a partner of ours at Tumble. And, uh, you know, really excited to uh, see, see where you guys head. Love it, Scott. Thanks so much for having me. Uh, keep up the great work at, at Tumble. We love what you guys are doing and uh, look forward to, to chatting more. Thanks for listening to the show. If you want to connect with us, you can find us on LinkedIn or Twitter at Amenitize or Die. That's all. Thanks.